0: Let's
1: start off with a prayer. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome.
0: All right. Icebreaker for the day. So, I'm falling back on Vishnu Sasrama because it's very easy to, you know, uh, just parrot out what I learned yesterday in, in this group and kickstart this discussion, right? So, you know the stanza 26 in vishnu sastrama uh, goes as follows sup prasad prasan na am vishwathru vibhu satkarta satkruta sadhur janhur narayano narah so the word narayana was uh, is a very very uh, powerful word and the way that they, the way that it has been interpreted by adi Shankaracharya uh, and as told by person yesterday was very powerful and in the context of what we are reading it makes a lot of sense so you know based on the Sanskrit rules of grammar and all that I believe the word can be split in uh, so many different ways and I believe uh, uh, Shankaracharya himself has probably has written about two pages in Sanskrit about this word Narayana so it's very difficult to cover everything but uh, the couple of things which uh, which he was mentioning yesterday was pretty important right And, uh, you know, you'll you'll be able to connect it to the chapters that you're currently reading in terms of uh, Kshetra, Kshetra and all that, right? So he says that the word Nara, Narayana, you can split it into multiple ways. Nara plus Ayana, okay? And Ayana means actually a, a journey, okay? So, for example, Uttarayana, Dakshinayana is a journey of the sun from north going from north, south to north. So, there's the same Ayana. And Nara is, uh, you know, a human being, right? Yeah. Not necessarily a male, human human being. So, Nara plus Ayana is the journey of that human being to go back to its own self. That's one way of interpreting it. Second way of interpreting it is, Nara is na, Narayana. Nara plus something associated with Nara is Nara. Okay, for example, when we see uh, uh, for uh, uh, for uh, 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 Arjuna, we use, sometimes use the word kaunteya because he's he's born of Kunti, right? Like that Nara, Nara is of Nara. So, uh, the other interpretation is, uh, okay, Nara is uh, of, related to Nara. What are the things which are related to Nara? Which is that everything else in this universe that is formed out of the five elements, right? Okay, the space, uh, air, fire, water and earth all of them is related to Nara okay so all of them related to Nara are on a journey together so when this when this uh, Nara gets involved with in this everything else and it is continuing the journey towards completion that journey is known as Narayana and it's it so powerful and there are multiple other uh, meanings and then it, it talks about uh, several ways uh, you know he also talks about um, uh, you know, how, how Ganga came into this earth and how he connects the story of Ganga coming into Narayana. All that, I have not understood all the complexities of it. But I really found that these two things in terms of, you know, the Nara and Narayana as very powerful words. And the, there's another thing that in one of the Upanishads that you mentioned, which I, I remember having read that, even in when we get to Gita also, we will learn about it. It is said that, you know, in each one of us, there are two uh, birds, okay? Uh, the soul in us is likened to two birds, okay? And uh, one bird is the one which is uh, sitting on this tree of this entire universe. And that tree, that bird is just watching. And there's another bird. That bird is the one which is enjoying the universe. Now, in it's just an analogy. So in reality, what it means is that the bird that is enjoying is our quote-unquote ego or our ahankara associated with the body and mind and the bird that is that is just watching this whole thing is that brahman that atma that consciousness so Nara plus narayana together they are always together they never kind of you know separated out so it is very powerful to kind of you know learn about some of these things how much of stuff that they have coded in it so that you know people can understand it at different levels was really really amazing all right Questions, comments, feedback, thoughts before we kick off for the day.
2: Rajesh, just to check that bird story is uh, the Taittiriya uh, Upanishad, right? Uh, I
0: think it is Taittiriya Upanishad, but it also comes in Gita. Acha, okay, interesting. There is a nice. there is a chapter. I forget the name of the chapter. I think it's called or Pur- Yoga. I think is that the people tree? Uh, yeah, people tree. Yeah, to come. It's about, uh, you know, uh, actually, you're right. It's, it's, it, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Krishna uh, did not do anything great, right? He just milked all the Upanishads and gave it to us so that we can enjoy it.
2: So, you know. Ah, I see. I see.
1: Right.
0: Okay. okay. So, where do we start today? Ajay, I think we should start with you today. You were the one who said, okay, we have to revise this, this things last time. So we're going to start with you. Sorry, <laughs> I have to put you on a spot. No,
1: no, 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 uh, no, I have sort of uh, spent uh, some time sort of just going through some of those 20, 20 sort of moral virtues and um and, you know, I've been stuck by this amanitvam, which is the first one in the Gita, I think, which is around sort of self-conceit. And, you know, I, I I try and kind of think about how do you kind of put that into action, right? And, you know, it reminds me of a lot of people who will, if you tell them, okay, this is great, they'll say, oh, it's the Bhagwan ki Kripa hai. You know, it's not mine. And I'm not sure how much they... How much everyone means it versus actually sort of just saying it for the heck of it but what i'm sort of realizing is that you know to which is which is i think self-conceit is nothing but like sort of self uh, you know just just being sort of uh, you know to, to say that look the ego really it's all because of the ego right so that's kind of a one. and to let go of the ego is i mean i just do I, I i can't you know kind of get to the point to say that okay this is so I know I know what problem you're trying to solve, but how do you go about it? I just don't know, because the the I factor is is not divorced from this body mind complex, right? And so how do you kind of let go of the ego? Is what I've been struggling with.
3: Actually, uh, what I understood from this one is uh, it's more of humility. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: I before you go forward what. A word used, Ajay, I'm sorry. Self what? Self-conceit. Self-conceit.
1: Conceit. Conceit, yeah. yeah.
3: So so I think uh, if, uh, it's before you let go of the ego, uh, it's more like humility. So thinking that you are better off than others. So then you don't need to let go of the ego itself, but uh, let go of the superiority or the Shresthita, as they call it. So the Descriptions where I have seen it, it points more towards that. So having that humbleness and uh, humility. So Vidya Dadati Vinayam. So, you know, yes, it, it points again. more to that. Yeah. Is what I understood.
5: Actually, if, I'm, if I may uh, jump in there. Alpay, uh, you, you had, I think, uh, last session of the session before, you, you, uh, you're very... Um, Correctly explain ego is is the wrong association with the body. So if you correct that, I mean, even before we get to humility, if you correct that and realize that actually ego is an instrument of the soul or, or whatever the right way of understanding ego. And I'm not sure, and I still understand the essence of why we have ego uh, at all, but but. I guess it's the awareness and the association of the ego with the right thing. And that that should automatically, then, once one has the awareness, that should take us to a place where uh, being egotistical is not an issue.
3: Absolutely, Vivek. If you can do that, actually, all 20 qualities will come. No, no, no. But, but,
5: you know, I mean, to to add to the point of of what what, uh, Ajay has been talking about, why do we have ego? Why, why Because why is it
3: ignorance. That? Because of ignorance.
2: Um
5: so, so is it is it is it right to say that because we have a body, we have ego goes hand in hand with that. I e some level of ignorance is is important. So so take you know Gautam Buddha when he was fully enlightened and he had a body. Did he have ego as well at that point time? So you will still have ego,
3: but In your mind and thought, you know you are not associated with that. As long as you are alive, you will have some level of ego. But you don't necessarily uh, behave like that. So in your mind, you are connected with the Brahman. That is your real
5: ego. Does ego play a role even when we have disassociated ourselves from our ego?
3: To operate in this world, yes. Yeah, Rajesh, go ahead.
0: So, um, Vivek, uh, yesterday I posted a two by two matrix. If you re- if you recall, okay, the two by two matrix basically on 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 the x axis you will have gyani and agyani and the y axis you will have I forget now what I wrote. I have to look at the middle. <laughs> atma, and Atma, right? So, you know, basically, what what. Uh, uh, you know, uh, this this thing says, right? The Upanishad says, you, you asked a question as to why the ego comes, right? The ego comes because of ignorance for sure. I'm just looking at my notes, right? So as long as we have the body, and the body comes because of our past things, right? So that's why, you know, you can, endless ignorance, Yeah, be, beginning, it's endless, but it can end all the time. At, for everybody, it will end sometime or the other. But till such time it ends, ignorance is there with us. Right, until that time, the bo- association with the body and mind, whether it is for someone who is realized or someone who is on the path of realization or someone who is ignorant, not matter. It will it will be there. But like what Alpana said, you know, but the person will will start operating from a different level. Okay. So, but if you go if you go to uh, an enlightened person and say, "Are you hungry?" The point is, he cannot. He will never say, "I'm Brahman. I'm not hungry." He'll say, "Yes, I'm hungry, or I'm not." Hungry because that association with the body is going to be there okay but that is not uh, you know that nobody can stop it you got to transactional wise you have to you have to do it but then you have to switch the switching is in in your mind how do you perceive yourself
5: should we understand ego
0: like as
5: let's say dead skin that you can do without or does it fulfill a purpose even after you understood the role <coughs> that it plays?
0: Yeah, it does, right? I mean, think about it. Okay, how many times have... Uh, uh, I should correct myself. Um, when we get angry with our children sometimes, most of them we get angry because we can't control our anger. But there are sometimes when we falsely exhibit anger, isn't it? So th- actually,
5: I was going to go there. In that, in that, is anger a product of ego? I can you, if you, you know, if you don't have ego, anger goes away, or no, it could be false
0: what, ego. What, what do you mean by falsely exhibit anger? What what is that? Like for example, you know, let's say that let's say that uh, you know you want uh, your um, no, no, I understand to do something, okay, and it's good for them. And you're not doing it they're, because they're lazy or whatever, right? And sometimes you better do this now. If you don't do this, I'm going to do something, right? At that time, you know, in, in your mind, you're clear that you know, you're know you not, you're, you're exhibiting that to incite an action in the other person. But, but I mean, are you saying then that to
5: exhibit that that false anger, I have to invoke my ego? even though I don't need it right at that point in time.
0: Is that what you're saying? You don't have a choice. That's okay. the way come come by.
4: Okay. Rajesh, didn't you use that example to say how you can be aware of how you're using the anger rather than saying that ego is required to invoke an anger?
0: No, you, ego means... So you again go back to the definition of ego, what Alpana was saying in the last... Uh, GD that we discussed, right? Ego is not the English word ego that we have to understand. Ego means association of you. You is the dhamman. Okay. Atma with the mind and body. The moment these two things are mixed. Okay. The I, I misunderstood my identity because I have gotten a <laughs> mind and body. That is ego. Ahankara. So it's not the English definition. Don't go to Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Look at Alpana's definition. I think that,
6: uh, you know, you still have to somehow have some association with this body mind, right? Because you're still responsible for this body. Uh, So you still have to take care of other things around it, right? So uh, I don't know if that would be called ego or ahankar or whatever, right? But you still, there is some need for that identity to be maintained to take care of other things. You know associated with this
0: body mind correct correct and that that's why you know you got to separate it out saying that okay it's a transactional reality right and the real reality is something different and in the transaction reality you got to you got to operate in a transactional way you know again going back to alpana's example right if you're hungry in a dream you can't eat food there you have to eat the dream food and only then be satisfied like that in this transactional world you know if if, if we have to do this kind of an interaction, for example, unless until we take ownership of certain aspects of, of our, you know, we say, okay, I am this body at this point of time. I have to talk and somebody has to listen. Unless until that, that thing happens, it won't work. Otherwise, it will be just pointless. So, so this... Mahabharata,
3: if you say, sorry, go ahead, Kishore.
7: No, no, I'll wait. Uh, no, I was just saying that so
3: Krishna, he had ego of associated with his body but at no point was worldly things impacting him and yet he showed anger he showed compassion he showed everything during the course of his living but he was not it <clears throat> wasn't touching him he was unaffected by that but he needed that a hankar related to that body mind complex to operate in this world as rajesh has been trying to explain so so that's how a jnani will be, even though they will have either false anger, sometimes reactive anger, but they know it is happening between the, as they say, it's a chemical reaction which is happening, which is not impacting me.
8: Okay.
3: So that, and that, that me is associated with Brahman.
7: So uh, I was just about to ask. So th- this is the discrimination, right? This is vivekam that we talk about, the, of real and unreal, also, in the sense that the association with the, the the mind and body is transactional, and that it is in 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 certain ways not real, right? If you look at it from that lens, and then um, and, and what is real is is the consciousness, right? So. Um, just wanted to point that out and I have a question, what happens when we die and the body is disassociated with, so, so then what happens with the, um, with the ego, right? Uh, which there would be part of the, the subtle body, which is, trying... yeah.
3: Yeah, but it is associated with the subtle body. Subtle body also has the karmendriya, the gyanendriya and the, and the pranas. Right. And the, the subtle body. And subtle the mind. Body. Mind, right.
7: ego is so there, yeah. in which case the ego is not associated with the mind itself saying that this is my mind and this is me um but it's uh, mostly associated with the body
3: actually it's associated with the subtle because subtle like the i mean the ghost etc have ego as well
7: right so okay okay um, if you
2: if you uh, sorry kishore if you think about what uh, Shankaracharya ji says in that uh, nirvana shatkam right manochit buddhi ankar right so that's what i think at least that's how i've understood it that these four things are essentially very very big part of your subtle body that subtle body you know correct. goes to the neck body
7: yeah right you, you know my question was um, kind of related uh, in the sense when when death happens and then the the physical body is separated out but the subtle body moves on and ego is part of the subtle body. Um, so far, I've been thinking that this body was me, right? And, you know, I'm Kishore and I'm so-and-so and all that. Um, and then that identity is broken. I was wondering what happens then when, when that association is not there, but the association with the mind um, and with Other elements of the subtle body are still there, right? I mean, mean, ego is also part of it. um, Yeah, I mean, I'm just, so it'd be in a void, isn't it? I mean, in a certain way, that connection is broken at that point.
3: Actually, it carries on with the same name as well till you get the next birth. Oh, really? Okay, interesting.
7: Interesting.
3: Because you can, they still refer to names and um, so, and the intellect, they will know those languages and whatever they've learned in this time frame till they get and the next and next yeah. uh, so, so the whole thing continues, actually. And it's interesting. very interesting that then you can't attribute too much to the body because everything is actually in the subtle that's body. That,
7: yeah, that, that's where I was going with this, saying so, yeah. uh, so we can bring it back to the fact that you know when that connection is broken, then what is remaining is what is yeah. moving forward. So there's association with the body of too much association with the the body uh, is not helping because finally at the end of this, it's moving on. And what is moving on uh, has uh, very little to do with the body. The body is used just like a vehicle is used. Uh, You know, you have, I think Swamiji mentioned this an example, you have a car that you, um, you know, you have to travel across the Saharan desert, but, um, uh, and you have a car. So you're going to take care of the car. Because without that, you cannot go to the other side. But you know that it's not you and it's, it's the car and this is me, right? So in, in the same way. Right. Um,
3: okay. yeah. And then what happens during enlightenment is that because they are also made up of subtle elements, they all dissolve into them. So then the subtle body also doesn't remain. That yeah. happens at the When you leave this body at the end. So you are jivan mukta till you are alive and then we call it as videha mukti where the Deha, mm-hmm. and including the subtle body also just disintegrates into mm-hmm.
0: its five elements yeah so uh, ajay to coming back to your original question so amanitvam is you know it's not ego it's humility i think you should think about it that as humility okay because it's one of the essential qualities like what uh, the gita says on the path to Understand who we truly are, and this—if this, this if we don't understand that there's an essential quality, then we will start, uh, you know, behaving in the opposite way. Which means that, you know, till such time that particular impurity in our mind is cleaned off, it's going to get very difficult for us to understand the concepts better and better.
1: So you're a so, good. Go ahead. Sorry, it makes sense. Uh, I, I was saying uh, one sort of, uh, you know nice way to explain it would be that if you achieve something then in all likelihood you know your role is probably five percent because there are so many other factors which sort of combine to get an outcome and even that five percent that we you know we contribute also is with sort of the grace of daivam right and so i mean that I, i thought that was a good way to kind of think about this to kind of say that, look, I'm just one of several factors, probably 1%, not even 5%. And that 1% also requires the grace of God. And that kind of brings back, thank you for that word, uh, humility, Alpna, because that was something which was missing in my mind. It's really kind of saying that, look, I am, you know, I'm a nobody virtually, right? It, whatever I'm doing is just like, you know, part of a bigger game plan. So
3: what you said I, was absolutely right. Oh, sorry, Kishore. Sure. Yeah go ahead uh, that it comes after the vibhuti yog and the vishwaroop darshan so in vibhuti yeah. yog that's why they started that all these qualities are actually in the lord and a part of it as a reflection or we just inherit that so eventually none of these qualities even that 5% are ours they are all yeah
1: even yeah even those are not ours yeah
3: it, right. even coming yes. from him So, even without going to the ego, even the qualities, if we can start thinking that they are coming, they're his qualities because he represents those qualities. Uh, So, that's another way of of looking at it. Yeah.
1: No, correct. I think that's very helpful. Yeah. I was just about to add that, uh, you know, even
7: uh, one way of looking at it, you know, let's say you achieved something, there was this brilliant idea that, you know, happened to, uh, you happened to execute on or, or uh, suggest. Mm -hmm. So even if you think about it a little bit more, I mean, obviously that can give rise to, oh yeah, I did this and this was my stuff and so on. That gives rise to uh, the opposite of humility, right? But uh, in this case, if we were to think a little bit more, you know, where did that idea come from, right? Um, How did it arise in me? Was it, um, you know, it came from somewhere, somewhere more deeper, but it, um, and then you realize that, hey, I cannot really attribute myself with that. I mean, in the, in the sense that I cannot claim that credit for myself, right? It came and I was, I happened to be present when the idea was presented to me. And then I, I, I'm just a vehicle at this point to, to convey that idea across, right? So um, we, I, I, I found this way of looking at it very useful to get over the, uh, as an antidote, uh, is what I meant, Um, getting over the, um, uh, you know, we all have this, right, if you're going to do, if we do something, um, we tend to take a claim for it, or we want appreciation for it, and so on, which gives rise to, eventually, uh, we're going away from the humility part. Um, So this helped me to say that, hey, even though this, can, you actually did this in the end where did this actually come from? Where did that idea come from idea come from right so oh. uh, good to disassociate it with uh, with that saying that it was presented to me and I'm just uh, a medium to um, uh, for that idea to actually make happen right that's pretty much how I look at it and that a, a constant reminder of that is an antidote to me yeah, yeah.
8: Oh. so i well, so- maybe. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, no, Swamiji had like one another nice uh, deeper probing of this. And he suggests that it's probably because we are a little bit empty on the inside. And we are not ready to accept us exactly as who we are. So we need acceptance from somebody else. And that is the reason why in addition to achieving or thinking that we have achieved something, we also want the recognition from somebody else. Like, for example, if somebody compliments you, uh, he has this funny example, like, hey, he can spell his name perfectly in his mother tongue, then you would actually feel insulted because that is something that you very clearly know that you can achieve and you can do. And achieving it at that level is like actually insulting you. But whereas it is some other task at a little bit higher level that you think you put in effort and you need to be recognized for, that you want others to actually call out and recognize that, hey, he is able to or she is able to do this particular thing. So that again was uh, very nice, like a little bit deeper. So if if we look at this Amanitam, it basically comes from us just needing that, the ego needing that boost, the the English ego here in this case, needing that little bit of that boost saying, oh, somebody should recognize me for this. Um, I I was just going
4: uh, with uh, an opposite situation that Kishore described, right? You know, if you're, yeah, we are available. Right. and the thought came and that that's an antidote that you said you would be your you know attempting to use what if you are in a in an opposite situation, where you know the other person is not exhibiting humility or a humbleness and you're in that situation typically what would be an antidote that people use so that they also had um, they're expressing an emotion it's just a vehicle and we happen to be there at that time or do we kind of put it back onto yes I have done something in the past and so it's coming back to me what are the typical antidotes that we should we should use
7: so let me uh, try to understand so you are in a situation where somebody else is claiming credit or um or wait, could you explain that situation a little bit
4: Opposite of, you know, we, they don't, they are not ex- exhibiting humility or
7: humbleness. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously we will all encounter that, right? Obvi- uh, that's a very common situation that happens. Um, one thing is to let it be in the sense it's, it's their journey. Um, we can't, I don't think we can do anything to correct that. It's their journey that they need to go through. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't have to, if it invokes something else in you, which is to counter that, that is something to watch out for, is what I would say. Right. In one of
9: our previous discussion, similar question came up and one of you said like, use this as as an opportunity to practice. Correct. (laughs) You have learned.
7: Yeah. So if it is invoking something in us, that is putting you, like putting me away from the the centeredness, then that is something I would watch out for. Right. If that is evoking something in me any sort of uh, emotion in me to react or respond immediately to the other person saying, okay, you, um, if I want to counter that, or that is the urge that's coming in me, I would, I would watch out for that. So Shamala, in that
0: list, we started off with Amanitvam, but uh, that is the, you know, humility part of it. But the, to the question that you said, so two or three qualities down, there's another quality called kanthi, kanthi, translated accommodating the other person or I would call it as patience. So it's like a noodle soup. You know, you take one, everything will start coming up again. You know, So, you know, my, one of the things that I strongly recommend is, you know, in, in this page 131 and 132 of Swamiji's book, right? The, the Sanskrit verses, what are there? I think we have to just by heart them. You know, not exactly. Mm-hmm. Verse, the English translation of it. Just by heart them and, you know, uh, like nirvana Shatram recited once and once a day so you know amanittam adamittam ahimsa Shantish, you know all those things are there and over a period of time the meanings of these things will start getting to our psyche so much that we will understand we'll understand how to uh, how to bring them bring them into our life that's that that i would uh, i would suggest please think about that as uh, one thing you know I, I find it very useful actually to uh, learn in Sanskrit, not in English, and try to translate, you know, uh, the, the, it gets very complex
1: for me to do it that way. Yeah, there are three or four shlokas there, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Alpana's list, what she's putting
0: together, I'm sure these are there in the list.
1: No, these are very, very deep words. I mean, uh, I mean, I, in particular, I think you've mentioned this before, uh, Rajesh, this word, Arjavam which is the alignment of, uh, body, mind, um, and, sorry, thoughts and uh, actions and, 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 uh, you know, speech. That's kind of another one, which sort of is very powerful. It just kind of reminds you of so many people who, who don't do what they say or, 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 you know, they don't, they don't sort of, uh, say what they think. Yeah. Right. Or they, or they say something different from what they think. so that's kind of another one, which which you know you would kind of call a split personality in sort of common jargon. So yeah. that's really a, a jivam, and that's another one which, again, all of us have that in some in some yeah. degrees, I guess.
0: You're right. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and I also remember, you know, two, two things at this stage, maybe uh, um, which which I want to mention, which I remember, uh, you know, clearly having uh, read in Swami Swami uh, discourses discourses and says, first thing is you know don't think of these things to evaluate another person these qualities are oh. to evaluate yourself right okay definitely. so it's a perspective change you know you may be able to notice that others may be exhibiting qualities which are not congruent to what has been mentioned here let them be yeah. but if you notice that you are facing those you know incongruencies then it's time to correct so yes. that's the first thing he says you know it's not a you're you're not a, you're not like a psycholo- psychologist or a psychiatrist to you know uh, do do a shrink job on somebody else. You have to do it on yourself. That's yeah. the point. What he says, right? And the second thing, you know, uh, uh, I I was reflecting this, and I go back to Karma Yoga chapter of Gita, right? Why do we need this? You know, why do we need that quote-unquote Amanitvam, Taking the example of why do we need that? And then I think in the in the course of this discussion, I think Kishore, you mentioned it, right? Or five percent. I think Ajay, you mentioned it. It 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 brings us to a notion of saying that I am the doer. Okay? Now, now we know from a Karma Yoga chapter that the moment you associate yourself to be a doer, that means you have to reap the benefit of that particular thing. When I say benefit, I'm using the word loosely. Okay, result of that particular thing. It can be positive. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Now, the question is, if you have to do that, then you're going through the cycle of doing, enjoying, doing, enjoying, which is a cycle of birth, which is Maya. complete. Because that is not you. That is associated with mind and body.
1: Yeah.
7: The, the other, um, um, you know, that's a very deep meaning. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, uh, Rajesh. Another way uh, of looking at it is also, so let's take Arjavam, right? If, if what we have in our mind is not what we say and what we say is not what we do, if they're not aligned, it's, it's going to create conflict in our mind, right? It's going to cause conflict because we don't like what we are saying because that's not what is in the mind. That's not what's defining you. So that conflict is going to give rise to um, a certain kind of restlessness in the mind, right? For sure, for at least for some time. So by avoiding it right up front, you're taking off one more thing that takes you away from that centeredness or the calmness that your mind uh, needs to experience, right? So in that sense also, even if we don't go very deep into the... um, into the karma yoga meaning which is the which is correct but i'm just saying even at that level of uh, um, we we can explain that as you know each of these qualities if you say why it comes down to so that you can have uh, a very calm and centered mind eventually
0: right but, but 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 here is where i want to trigger a discussion right i think this is this is this is a very very important uh, uh, part of the part of our uh, understanding of the gita right how, how do we do that in real life? Now oh, I know really? the theory, okay, thought, word, action should be there, aligned. Right, how? right, right. How do we implement it? What challenges do we face every day to do
7: it? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, this has been uh, a favorite topic of mine that I've been thinking about this quite quite a bit. Right. So one is this knowledge, right? The fact that we know about this, that's one thing, what we are reading in the text. and Maybe to some extent, we introspect and we understand it a little bit more, which is what we're actually doing right now. Um, The second thing is given a situation, in a situation, in the transactional world, when we are faced with this, how do we bring this about, right? How do we uh, tap into this knowledge and act according to that? So to do that, one, the main part is awareness of um, what's happening, right? Uh, for instance, as, as I think Shyamala was asking, somebody says something or is not displaying humility, we need to be aware of what's happening in our mind and how is that affecting you first. So, so to me, that is the uh, kind of mental awareness of where am I standing right now? Um, and then be, because if I'm not aware, then I'm just going to react uh, in my usual way. But we are, we need to break that cycle somewhere and awareness is key to breaking that cycle because that's the only time where the thought comes in and it's before it's expressed there is a small um, sliver of opportunity where that awareness can pitch in and then you can decide what path you're going to take forward right so building that awareness is important and but to build that awareness you need to be uh, again it's a chicken and egg problem here in some ways, because to build that awareness, you need to be aware of what's going on in your mind. And that is usually not possible if the mind is restless already, right? So in a way it's a chicken and egg problem. So you need a uh, you need to slowly get the mind to a calmer state um, in general. And obviously meditation is going to help in a huge way in this process because meditation is all about observing your, uh, using your mind and observing the mind. So in a way you're practicing that. And then in real life, in, in daily uh, life, uh, when these opportunities present yourself, that that kicks in. It's just like the practice and here's the opportunity to actually execute. It, right? So any any other thoughts on that? Um,
0: and, and, and the good way of measuring that is FIR.
7: The good way of measuring that is FIR, because we cannot be um, uh, beat ourselves upon it, even if we make one mistake. If you make a mistake, we look back at it and say, yep, uh, I made that. Uh, you know, I didn't do it the right way. Next time I'm going to be more careful. That's pretty much it, right? So, um, and and keep going back to uh, um, these qualities. Uh, to me, uh, uh, there are many qualities here. So I, I keep going back uh, to the Yamas. So just so that it's, it's all bracketed within a few. Um, and yeah, when we say something or can we be very careful about that right so all that comes in by being aware and before awareness is the knowledge of these things right which is where which is what we are doing right now
10: so
3: um, the way i looked at it actually uh, ajay you picked up the two main qualities i always thought are very important arjavam and the amanitvam so in case of arjavam i think what i have realized is we are at an ages or a is on our side. We don't have to prove ourselves to anyone now. We don't have to impress anybody. You know, that that part of life is gone. So uh, it's not that we are building many new relationships, etc. And hence, people know who I am now. So, So in fact, that just acknowledging that in my mind itself was an important step. So what happens is, if I would rather keep quiet if I am not able to speak what I want to say, because it will hurt somebody or anything. So I'm, I started practicing that. I will just go quiet. People notice it, that's a different thing. And then they will probe, but then I'll be able to say what I want to say. And it also gives me time to figure out why, why is there a conflict? Why is it this and, and synthesizing in your mind, why you want to say that similarly, I wouldn't do anything to impress anybody anymore right so it is what I want to do yeah I think in the corporate life maybe it is slightly different and hence you can start doing it more where you can practice it so the 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 word and the action and the what is the third one Uh, thought thought itself thought as well you can you can I think introspection is the best way. Why that thought came, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And that sort of becomes your Vedantic meditation for the whole day. So this is actually one very, very important practice. And as you know, both Kishore and Rajesh were saying, if they are not aligned, they will lead to some conflict at some point in time. Sometimes it bottles up and then comes out. So might as well, when you are able to synthesize it, have that conversation, but say what you want to say. And obviously, you know, if you blurt it out at that time, it may come out as very different, but say it later. So I think that's what I've been trying to practice, especially for Arjuna. And I actually feel that it is simpler because the way you do it, otherwise, yes, I make mistakes. And then I realize that, see, it didn't work. You might as well think through it and then do it.
1: And you're right.
0: Yeah, I just want to add to what Alpana was saying, right, and I think uh, uh, one thing which worked for me personally is that uh, a tip what Swami uh, Guru Parananda said, right, he said that there are going to be about 20-25 qualities and maybe, you know, some of them are naturally with us already, you know, we see some people, they are by nature, they, they don't get angry. So for them, you know, trying to say, okay, don't get angry is doesn't make any sense but there could be something which are really a pain for us okay and that that we know what that pain is so the tip what he says is take 30 days okay you know 30 days you say amongst all this bunch of qualities i'm going to focus on this so my priority okay in this particular month is given situations where i have to make some conflicting choices if this 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 uh, quality is supposed to come i will do the Pratipaksha Bhavana for this particular thing and operate it in that fashion, right? So then he says, over a chunk of 30, 30 days, you keep on, okay, this month I did uh, Ahimsa, this month I did Arjavam, this next month I did Kshanti. Then over a period of time, the muscle starts developing. Oh, after one year, you know, you, you got maybe about three or four qualities, which you probably a little better than what you used to be before. And then you keep on rolling. That is the transformation, the real practical aspect of applying this technology, right? right? It's all great, you know, great theory and, you know, yes, it'll be great. I wish everybody else around around me had that and my life would be simple. It won't work that way.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, and again, you know, we, you know, this whole thing about alignment kind of really struck, struck me was it's all about being straightforward. So, you know, if somebody says, okay, you know, if you tell somebody I'm going to do this, you know, by the end of the day, you just do it, or you tell the person, I can't do it. So just being upfront and straightforward is algebra in a way, right? There's one sort of very interesting sort of example that I have kind of experienced in sort of my with with one of my colleagues. So, you know, if, if, for example, you know, if I disagree with something, right, uh, sort of violently, and, you know, you you, you tend to kind of, you know, you, you say I disagree, but you keep quiet, you kind of you know, you kind of say this guy is an idiot, whatever, right? You've got a lot of thoughts. We don't say it, right? Whereas this other, this guy who's, who's the co- who was a colleague, he would kind of be just up front. He would say, look, no, this does not work for this reason. I mean, if, if you feel bad about it, it's fine. Uh, but I'm, I'm saying what is right. And I'm saying what I feel. Uh, obviously you do it in a sensitive way, but just, just being sort of straightforward, a simple word, right? Is, actually quite valuable. And while sometimes, you know, that person kind of ends up, uh, you know, not being very popular, but, you know, if you, over a longer period of time, you say, well, this is the right approach and you actually admire that person, right? For doing what that person does. So I think a lot of these things may not be sort of, you know, something that we do naturally, something that would make us popular. And, you know, we might say, okay, well, why kind of do, you know, know, say something which, which might sort of potentially hurt somebody. But just being straightforward is, a lot, is very valuable, and and again, I think as you kind of progress in your career and you kind of have not a lot to prove to others, you can be more straightforward over time, right? Uh, but yeah, this is another one which sort of which really sort of resonates with me. Good
7: point, I want, um Ajay, here uh, if you com- if you take that in that example that you gave, right, uh, the, the corporate example that you gave, if you combine uh, straightforwardness with Two, two other things one is ahimsa which is that you're careful in the speech right when you deliver this it's delivered correctly right and the second thing uh, being right intention so if that person delivers even if it's the the if it's a um, if it's not a popular decision let's Good say message, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but I've given it to you with the right intention maybe for the better of the company or or, or whatever that case may be. Uh, so that's r- right intention. And it's been delivered correctly in a, in a careful manner, right? And that's where the ahimsa part comes in. So as you said, it shouldn't hurt somebody. But if you're aware of that, right, uh, and then you deliver it in the right way, then, the, uh, then you have said you know, your thought, speech, and action have, uh, are aligned, right? I mean, uh, and there is no conflict in the mind at that point saying, hey, you know what? That's how I see it. I've told you this in the right way. I wasn't insulting to you or anything like that. I said it the right way. Um, I had to say that because it may not be, while it may not be agreed upon right now, but I think that is the right thing to do in the long run, right? And so I have said that. So there is no conflict yeah. at that point. Agreed. No
4: mm-hmm. Also, okay. saw, you know, amongst the three, if the thought alignment is not there, and you align in word and action. It
7: builds a lot Inside. Inside. of,
4: you know, um, you know, obviously discomfort and it blows up at some point. It, it is not just at work, even, you know, in our personal relationships, it's easier to sort it out and get the thought alignment first. And that's where I think what Alpana said is also, you know, first of all, why did the thought come? And could be expectations, could be, you know, a lot of things that could be really giving rise to the thought. Um, so, Getting the thought alignment, to me, was very important on certain aspects. But otherwise, it's not that you have to agree to everything, and especially personal relationships. You know, you don't want to hurt. You want to avoid a bad situation. You just tend to agree and move on, but it comes back. It, it, it That's clearly shoving it under the carpet. And internally, you're waiting for any opportunity to either express it. It just comes out. <indicative>
0: one, actually, only shows that all of us are married, have been married for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, but
5: actually, 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 you know, the, there's a very fine line between being straightforward and direct versus being obnoxious. Um, or maybe the gray area. And if you want to see a society working on that basis, go and spend a month in, in, in the Netherlands. The Dutch, you know, uh, I spent nine years there. Um, the Dutch have to be by far and out the most straightforward people there are on this planet. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and it's hilarious, they, well, I mean, if you're not at the receiving end, uh, it's hilarious <laughs> to see they, you know, what they come out with without these checks, because they don't have a filter, they don't have a filter about, right. you know, they, they really speak as they think, um, and they're, they're actually not violent. They're, they're not at all violent, but they can say some it's of a, the most nasty things to people. Um, in you know, just sat across from while munching a sandwich, um, it's 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 actually incredible. But yes, I mean you know, marriage is of course another great example of uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very
1: it's a very cultural thing. I mean, I think you know it, you know I, I've been in that situation Vivek, where you know a Dutch sort of said something to me, and I th- I kind of felt really hurt. Now, for that person, it was not a hinsa because he he thought that was normal. Whereas for me, it was a hinsa because I am like, you know, how can you say that to me, right? <laughs> so you're right. I mean, it's a
0: it's a it's a way of how you how you approach it. You go to the other end of the spectrum, right? Talking of culture, the Finnish cultures, they don't even speak a word. There's no small talk, nothing. And when they want to say, they say, they just say exactly that with the right amount of words in general as a Finns, right? And nothing more, nothing less. That's it. They have a strong filter towards uh, communicating, you know. So it's 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 wonderful to watch these things, but uh, you know how how it impacts us is depending on our sensitivity also. (laughs) Very
7: interesting. Okay.
11: Yeah.
7: So uh, do we want to move to another one? Ahimsa. Your favorite. Uh, yeah.
1: That's the, the, that's the first one in the Yamas, right?
7: <laughs> yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, again,
7: um, uh, uh, this is, uh, there, there are multiple, so many dimensions mm-hmm. to this, right? As you keep peeling off the onion. Ahimsa um, at the level of thought is very interesting in the sense of, um, because thoughts keep coming up, and how do you um, not associate with that thought, right? And, and to say that, and to one, either let it pass or provide an antidote, which is to uh, provide an opposite thought. So you're you're kind of countering it at the level of thought, and and not even having those um, thoughts of um, violence or being um, hurtful to others and stuff like that at the level of thought. Um, that's a very very tough one. I can tell you that. I mean, it, it's an ongoing thing that we'll probably. Take years to uh, kind of work on that, right? I, to, at the level of speech, is slightly easier, slightly easier. But even that is very hard. Usually, in the in the middle of a situation, it's very hard. But can we pull back? Are we aware enough to not say something that is going to be hurtful? Um, so at that point, even walking away or not saying something uh, is is okay. Is the right thing to do. Um, and not that it's, it is, um, I, it, it doesn't have to, it, it actually gives, it is a reflection of your higher level of awareness, rather than it being a reflection of weakness, right, in you, that you didn't say something back immediately. Um, uh, and to reflect upon it and take action later, not that you shouldn't take action, just that at that moment, it would have been too um, careless to, are hurtful to others to say something back but can can you say that back later and handle it later um, and obviously f- physical violence is something we probably have grown out of long long back um, so that's the easiest part right so um so, so many different things come in play here even at the level of speech there's carelessness which is even if you even as i think you pointed out earlier the Dutch, when they say something their intention is not to hurt you but then it did hurt you so there was carelessness at some level, even if that's their culture, there was carelessness that they didn't think about how it will be received on the other side. So th- I think that's important to also handle when we say something, how is it going to be received on the other side? So um, not that we are obviously going to handle all of these different things when, whenever we have to talk, but over a period of time, it's not a bad idea to keep thinking about it so that when we say something, We are only seeing the enough uh, enough amount, right? Not over-talking or no, um, yeah, not over-talking. Being careful about how it's going to be received. Um, Making sure that it's aligned with what your thoughts are and what the thoughts themselves are, are not um, harmful, right? So the thought is aligned with speech. So they all come together, if if, if you see. Even though it's called out separately, uh, it can be treated uh, as one. Um, you know, to me, I am treating all of these things under the umbrella of Ahimsa in a way.
0: And actually, uh, you know just to add uh, the, you know, I'm speaking of the, uh, the, th- the thread that you said, right? Uh, 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 you know, at at the level of thought, it's very difficult. Uh, You know, you can actually try this experiment, okay? Take your favorite mantra, whatever chant or mantra, whatever, right? You can say it in, you can say it in a verbally or you can even say it mentally, okay? Now, try this experiment, okay? Let's say that you chant, whatever that you're chanting, verbally you chant and see how many, for, for 10 minutes you chant and see how many times you get distracted, okay? And now, stop. And then, Chant mentally, okay? And then see how many times you get distracted. It'll be an order of magnitude distractions when you chant mentally. And the reason why I say that is, you know, when we think, when when we do something at the level of thought, the distractions are so high that we forget the original intention. Try it. You'll be very, very surprised with this experiment.
2: Rajesh, I I have actually tried that a few times and you're absolutely right. (laughs) It's very difficult to focus on, uh, you know, the chant if you're just doing it in your mind, absolutely. You get get distracted very (laughs) easily.
3: Within two minutes, the mantra itself, you're chanting some
2: other mantra. Oh, I was supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) Tias.
3: Well, that hasn't
2: happened (laughs) That hasn't happened now with me as yet, but I will watch out for that also now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I start with something and end up with some chanting. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it and is, just think, it you
0: is. know, it's it's such a such a, you know, mantra is a set, you know, it's a set thing yeah. that you already know what you're supposed to think. And also we have a problem. Think about you know what you what you're supposed to think you don't know, how to change you don't know, and then you have to combat that. It's a real problem to do it.
2: Rajesh, on that, yeah. uh, just just aside, uh, I give myself brownie points every time I can chant it eleven times, you know, without getting distracted. <laughs> <laughs> that,
7: that, um, VP, that's actually a technique in mindfulness. They call it uh, counting technique.
5: <laughs> oh really? <laughs> but, but, but VP, do you, do you actually go and have the brownie then? Of <laughs> course <It's> not. <laughs> mentally, mentally it's the, all uh, mental. Mentally, <laughs> like a,
1: it's all a pat in the back. Yeah. Uh,
5: actually, you know, on, on this on this point, I had uh, wanted to ask. So, if we can, if if it is fair to say that anger has its root in ego, uh, would ahimsa have its root in um, in in buddhi? This this particularly when we think about
7: thought. Where does the thought come from? If you think about it. (laughs) I mean,
5: you know, the fact that we have, you know, ahimsa in thought can also be how hard we make it for ourselves. So uh, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, violent thoughts towards others. But even if we hold ourselves to a standard to a point that it is like, A lion's chasing us in our mind, and we are running from a lion, or, or you know, we we have a snake in our mind. That's uh, that's also some form of ahimsa. Oh
7: yeah, I mean uh, ahimsa towards self in in the sense of being unfair to ourselves,
5: right? uh, Yeah, and 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 uh, that in itself also. So so is the root of that thought? Is is that
0: buddhi? Is that uh, would that be buddhi? No. So actually, Geeta describes it. Okay, I go back to your original question. Right, where is uh, where is anger coming from? Anger comes from desire. Desire. Yeah. yeah. You go go through yeah. study a little bit more deeper. It says that anger comes when our desire is suppressed. Okay, a suppressed desire is exhibited as anger. That's the real definition of anger. Yeah,
3: suppressed or unfulfilled, right. or if there's Unfulfed. any obstruction yeah. in getting that desire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay I was about to ask that as well that even anger is linked to likes and dislikes or desires um, more than uh, the ego
7: right
1: yeah
7: and and going back to uh, the other point which was also made, which is where does that thought come from why why did we get that thought i mean if we if we think about that a little bit um you know, we didn't actually, it wasn't a conscious decision to bring that thought, right? It, it just was presented to you. Um, so where does where does that come from? We don't control that. I mean, right? So my understanding is that it's coming from the subconscious and the source of that is the samskaras, right? or the vasanas that we have. Um, so, and now, then, then the next question would be, where did those samskaras come from, <laughs> right? And... A lot of it is reinforced by our own behavior, right? Are the choices we make, the, the things we do, reinforce all, all the actions that we perform or even pretty much every uh, sensory input that we get, reinforces those samskaras one way or the other, right? So um, so the samskaras give rise to thought, those thoughts lead to speech and action. If, if it's not, uh, If we just continue with that, right, without any, um, without interfering with it, it's just going to continue, and then that in turn reinforces the samskaras. So you're you're in this cycle. There's no, uh, no way out of it, right? Unless we actually take an action and say, I want to break this cycle, and how do you break that cycle, right? The samskaras you cannot change it directly, because it's deep in our subconscious, and it's not something that can be directly handled, and hence we change it at the level of mind so uh, between the time the thoughts the thoughts come in but before we actually do something with it can we can we inter, uh, can we kind of um, interject and say i'm going to let this thought pass or i'm going to counter this thought with a conscious thought so that i can i can uh, neutralize the samskaras that are driving this thought that are the source of this thought right so I, I, obviously I'm talking at the metaphysical level, I mean, of how um, I'm understanding this whole system to work, right? So, um, so in that sense, those antidotes are, are very good because what we are learning here presents, gives us the knowledge and then some techniques like pratipaksha bhavnam as an example, will allow us to actually act when this, when faced with it, right? When we... Uh, faced with a thought which is not good and negative thought. Can I let it pass or can I counter it? Right. And then obviously the awareness has to kick in. The fact that I have a negative thought, I need to know that, right? Because without knowing that, I'm just going to react um, and go with the, with the flow. So those are to me some of the things that are in play here.
4: I just want to close. The loop on the example that Vivek took and on Dutch, right? The unintentional or being unaware of what you're seeing, or does that also constitute an Ahimsa? So Dutch are all performing HINSA every time. All the sensitivities that we don't have with respect to diverse segments. Would that also constitute HINSA components that we are doing every
7: day? That's what I understand. Um, The carelessness is one part of Ahimsa.
3: Yeah, but he's not intentionally doing it. So his intention is right. Yeah. So his his intention. Right. That's a good
1: point. Yes. Yeah.
3: And just one more point to what uh, Kishore was explaining. That's absolutely very, very powerful. There's another way, once you start understanding the futility and irrelevance of things, um, thoughts don't convert into action. So that's, you know, by doing yeah, more of uh, reading the scriptures, etc. Right. That futility and irrelevance plays a very, very important role in changing the, or not succumbing to asma. So what we are studying here, uh, I think Kishore did mention that, you know, what we are studying here, that just knowledge. Once you understand the futility of other stuff, uh, they start dropping as well. And it, I also wanted to highlight what Mahesh had said in the last, the class towards the end, that you will notice that naturally some of these qualities uh, start to play in you. Uh, and I also relate them to understanding the futility and the relevance of some of the things. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, Vivek, um, to your point, right, about uh, where anger comes from if you guys are all okay i i would love to chant four shlokas from gita to bring out that point and we can i can even read the summary of it i've got i fished it out in the meanwhile I, if you guys are okay with it yeah please Go, yeah okay. please in uh, chapter uh, uh, 3 okay yeah i think it's uh, i'm i'm going to chant 62 60, 64 65 sorry let me just confirm it is chapter 2 or chapter 3 i think it is chapter, chapter 2, two. Chapter, chapter five, two, probably. Chapter <laughs> two. Okay, here's what it goes. I'm going to first chant and then I'm going to read out the summary also, okay? Dhyayato vishayan pumsaha Sangaste shupa jayate Sangat sanjayate kamaha Kamat krodho vijayate Krodhat bhavati sammohaha Sammoha sruti vibramaha now I'm going to read the meaning of it. You know, you probably have, you know figured out some you know words that are commonly used, right? Like, you know, Vishaya, Sangha, then uh, uh, Kamaha, Kroda. We, you've heard all those words. Now, think of this. The, here's what the, the meaning of these two slokas are, right? For a person thinking of the same objects, there grows an attachment for them. From that attachment arises desire. From desire results anger. From anger results delusion. From delusion results confusion of memory. From confusion of memory results destruction of intelligence. And from destruction of intelligence, the man perishes. Fantastic.
7: That's that's an awesome show, Kai. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very convenient. Would you post that?
5: Yeah, sure.
7: Yeah. If you you now uh, analyze that a little bit, right? I mean, what does it mean by destruction of intelligence? Um, In the middle of, let's say, a situation and you're angry, the, the, the things that you do are not coming from the intellect because the intellect would have told you, hey, what you're about to say is not right, right? If... Without without that anger, the intelligence, I mean, you wouldn't have said what you would have said if not for the anger. So the intelligence is gone at that point. Whatever is coming through is is being taken, that this, those actions are being taken at the level of emotional mind because the intellect is not backing it up or it's it's been clouded. The emotional mind is clouded the intellect and those decisions are not coming from the intellect. So that's broken at that point, right? So, and what you say, um, is purely reacting to the emotions
0: yeah and much more is reacting at the level of likes and dislikes right because that's yeah that's at our at a sense already then i like something i behave positively towards it i dislike something i behave negatively towards that person or that that thing but you know operating at that level is uh, you know we think it's natural for human beings but unfortunately that's at a very
7: low level of operation. Right. Yeah. Um, can I share one more thought? Uh, that's, um, I, if I may, um, you know, the last um, uh, two, three days, I mean, I would say last one week of meditation. Um, it, uh, for me, it happened on one particular thing uh, a way of meditation. This is from Swami ji's uh, one of his meditation um, nididhyasana uh, type of meditation, where he says, and this is what happened to me last one week, which is when I meditate, I started um, thinking of putting, uh, thinking of myself in a situation where I'm, you know, I'm lying on the, I'm lying down, I'm not able to move. Right, and and uh, Rajesh, you might be very familiar with this because we discussed this earlier. Let's say your sense organs are not working, right? So you cannot buy, you, you cannot uh, you know, um, move your hands, move your legs. You're uh, not getting any inputs either, right? You cannot hear, you cannot see, you cannot talk, you cannot, uh, you, you cannot smell, nothing, right? Let's say karmendriyas and nanindriya's are not working. But you're still there. The body is still there, right? Um, and uh, there is nothing more to do. There is no duties to be done. There is no work to be done because one, you cannot move. You cannot say anything. Yeah, you can't even hear what people are saying uh, around you. Um, there are no responsibilities anymore. Your all your roles are are over at this point, right? You're not dead, but all roles are over, right? So you you are no longer a son or daughter or an employee or anything of that sort. Right. So you've taken those things also off the table. Right. Um, Now what remains at this point, right? Everything, you know, at which point can, now this is going to be the state for, and you don't know how long, but it's going to be like that for a certain amount of time, maybe years, maybe months. So at which point I I was thinking what is remaining then, right? And I was trying to see uh, uh, the the meditation went on to towards that point where it's like, what is remaining? Now you could despair and say everything is gone and I'm going to die and so on. That could be one path. The other path could be, hey, wait a minute. This is an amazing opportunity for me to understand what, what the real self is because there's no other kind of distraction or uh, that's going to pull me out uh, into, the, uh, into the open, right into the external world. So if the real happiness lies deep inside, and this is an amazing opportunity for me to see what that real happiness is and, and be one with that, right? So anyway, it went down that path. And then I realized that this was a very effective way for me to kind of, at least during meditation, put aside everything else and kind of go deeper and deeper inside, right? Um, And then it occurred to me uh, relating back to the values part. See, we are born with, you know, when we are born, we come in with obviously a body and at the end, the body goes away, but the subtle body travels to the next. And I think Rajesh, you have mentioned this in your book as well. So in this span that we have, what comes in and what goes out? If we, uh, if we take this as an input and output, what comes in is the subtle body got associated with the physical body. In the end, the physical body went away, the subtle body moves on, right? So in this system, what are we doing? We are improving the subtle body in some way, right? We, that's all that's happening. If you look at the system, what's happening inside as, as a black box, Uh, physical body uh, connection physical body disconnected but in between we have the opportunity to take this subtle body that came in as the input and it's going to move on as the output the subtle body we have the opportunity to make it much better than what we got uh, what we received right so can we do that right i mean if that is now considered the aim of life purpose of life because that's all is moving forward. Nothing else is moving forward. So can I improve that subtle body in some way? And what does that mean? Uh, it, can, it can mean that I'm going to make it more sattvic if you look at it from the guna's angle. Or I, you know, and by saying that, we are also saying that I'm going to inculcate certain values in it or remove certain other values in it so that I can make it better. So I, um, I, I leave it better than what it was when I found it, when I got it. Right. Um, so th- this was the thought that came in. I just thought it was relating to the values in, in that sense also. Um, and if you look at it from that angle, that's to me is the purpose of life. We are we are making it better.
0: You you said it very well, Kishore. In fact, I uh, I was blown away when I was uh, uh, you know in my own transformation journey. Right. I had always assumed with one thought option saying that you know you come with nothing and you go with nothing in this world. But actually, that's not true. You come with your mind, and you go with your mind. Okay. So when it struck me, I said, "Oh man, the most important thing that we need to manage is our mind. Nothing else." And then you know, then you figure out how to manage the mind. Then you know what is the right thing to manage the mind. And then you go through this entire journey. Then you suddenly upon a book called Gita, and then oh, this tells you how to manage your mind. Okay. Then you start managing the mind. That was a big revelation for me. Big, big, big revelation. You talk about and and then the corollary of that was. I never considered myself on an average to uh, get into oblivion between let's say 60 years to 80 years. Never. After that. It was much longer longer a lifeline, timeline for me.
1: But you might get moksha before that Rajesh. Uh,
0: But that, that's a that's a very important thing, Kishor. What you said, I think I I I I, I would encourage all of us to think about it, right? You know, in terms of you know what exactly does it mean to is is life psych, is life limited by x number of years that we quote unquote understand the way it is currently? We have to think about it very carefully.
7: And kind of relates to what Arpana was just saying, right? Once you and this, once you go beyond, um, uh, you know. When you look at it from this angle, this higher level perspective, then some of these smaller things that happen in the transaction world, we can uh, it, it gives us that uh, motivation, or uh, as well as the uh, thing to actually handle those things and see see it for what it is, right? Because um, you know, as long as it's not in violation of this overall goal that we need, if that is the goal then all the other things kind of fall away, right? I mean, it it pales in comparison to that other goal, which is to make, which is to leave the mind in a better shape than how we found it. Uh, To me, that became a very simple way of understanding the purpose of life, if you think about it.
2: Sure, I have a question on that. I think what you said is very, very uh, nicely uh, uh, articulated as to uh, you know, that you come with this subtle body and then you're trying to improve on that. That's that's brilliant. Uh, my question is, when you were saying that you're adding more sattvic guna, once you add more sattvic guna, then everything else is not required, isn't it? We
7: we are actually removing the impurities, right? It is more because right. mind is already sattvic. We have added, we found it with certain amount of impurities when we got it. We want to remove as many impurities as possible from it, and then by the time we leave it, right? So that's yeah. uh, So what? I'm, sorry, go ahead. No, the, the, uh, intro, thinking of it as adding sat- satoguna, which is which it already is. Um, think of it as we are removing removing the tamas and rajas. That's another uh, because those are the impurities that got added along the way.
2: Right. So my point is, the more sattvic you are becoming. Um, At least the way I have thought about this, then, therefore, developing all the other qualities is uh, sort of a fait accompli. Yes.
7: You don't have to really work on that. Yes. Right. Okay. They're kind of interrelated, right? Because these values, when we inculcate, are going to um, remove the impurities. And that's where the, uh, you know, the relation to the samskaras and vasanas come in because what are those samskaras and vasanas? Those are rajas and tamas. Those are the gunas, right? In, again, in our subconscious, Um, these values when we inculcate are neutralizing those, right? So it gives us that, this is where they both the worlds come together in a way, the transactional world meets the metaphysical world Um, because the transactional world gives us that opportunity Uh, through various situations that we face to um, neutralize these samskaras by the choices we make. And this is where I I think Karma Yoga is again brilliant because it it comes down to choices we make. So we are ourselves responsible. Nobody else is. There is no, uh, you know, I'm destined. This is my destiny and this is whatever. No, no, no. We are responsible. It's our choices. That we make is responsible for uh, for our um, for us to neutralize those samskaras, which is we can be renamed as re- removing the impurities in the subconscious, which leads to more sattvic uh, state, right? So we want to leave it in a more satvic state, and we can extend this a little bit more by saying that in in our journey by in in our journey through doing this, we are also influencing our uh, in, within our sphere of influence. This is also spreading to our sphere of influence in many ways, whether it's our own family or our uh, wider um, uh, you know circle around us. We are in a way uh, spreading this to others as well at some point.
0: Yeah, I just got to eight more minutes for us to uh, go today. Just want to. Uh, check one thing before we, uh, you know, go ahead. We talked quite a bit about gunas so far, and we took uh, took some examples to figure out how we can incul- inculcate some of the gunas. And in the in the whole discussion, we also, you know, ended up talking about, you know, the uh, when I say guna, I meant the qualities in the in the first thing. But later on, we we understood that okay, these are you know, they come from uh, you know, we need to develop cultivating sattva guna which is one of the three gunas that, that broadly constitute this, this material universe. Sattva guna, so that it automatically becomes like a faith accompli to use uh, V.P. Rajesh's words. That's absolutely right. And I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, but then when you look at, uh, when you just go back to the book, what we are reading, the Gita, the, in the chapter after the gunas, the next chapter comes is the... Uh, after the, uh, the the qualities that we have to vibhaga it it talks about the three qualities gunas I think we have not even any time to discuss that but my request would be it's a very small chapter you know we should probably uh, read it offline especially after this particular uh, GD I think if you read it offline you'll get a sense for it and um, as we go forward what is going to get also important is you will see that. Uh, uh, you know, these three gunas are elaborate a little bit more, more in the Gita. And actually, uh, what we eat makes a huge impact on what kind of gunas are we cultivating. And when I say gunas, now I mean, Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. Okay. So uh, to go back to these words, you, if if we have more of Sattva gunas, then those qualities that we need to make changes, like Ahimsa, Arjava, those are relatively easier for us to make the change. So to get to the sattva, sattva guna uh, quality stage, uh, the guna increasing the sattva content in, in our in our composition, food plays a huge uh, role. Okay, and Gita actually covers that. So we will actually be going through that. I'm just kind of you know giving you a preview of uh, what is going to come because uh, we will get confused at this stage. Okay, what does these gunas mean and what does those gunas mean? How can I cultivate these gunas? If, if if those things can come in automatically then maybe i have to do at the base level you'll go through all that cycle of thinking okay no doubt you know and it's a right way of doing it but please remember one thing at the end of the day what we do in our day to day life is what is to cultivate these gunas and eating is a big part of it thinking is a big part of it okay thinking right eating right will will we'll improve our improve our quality of sattva guna which automatically change our qualities that we will start imbibing
2: and Rajesh, I was waiting for you to make a plug-in for Chaturmasa.
0: It's almost getting over. For next year, we have lots of time to do the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, five minutes uh, now. I think uh, there are several people who have not uh, uh, shared their thoughts. Uh, anyone can pick up from wherever. You know, Shanta. Uh, I, it's uh, Lakshmi. You'll have to change it to Lakshmi instead of Ravi. And Lakshmi, um, then Mahesh.
9: And today's GD was very good. A lot of practical, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, tips that we can apply to our uh, day-to-day stuff. And uh, one thing, like what I observed, is. I did try to go into the thing of uh, analyzing my own thoughts. What I observed is I'm not reacting on time. I'm just like, you know, blank when, pe- when my family is talking to me because I'm practicing it. But over time, I think I will I'll improve.
0: Thank you, Shanda. Thank you. Mahesh, Lakshmi. Yeah, a uh,
11: couple of points. Actually, my internet is very today is very bad, so I couldn't hear 50% of it. Um, one thing I want to understand and uh, need to introspect as well, we as uh, first of all, I mean, we divide ourselves as conscious beings or uh, or uh, I mean, or prakriti. Okay, now if we are conscious, we- Gunas are this this, uh, all this uh, sattva guna, rajas guna, tamas guna. We lacked, but is it to be given more importance or the conscious being is to be given more importance? Is what I'm thinking about. For me, I mean, okay, yes, we need to attack on one side the sattva guna, the rajas guna. Yes, uh, we need to improve the sattva guna, but it it happens only when you are, I mean, giving more importance to the conscious being in you. You know, that is uh, where I was thinking, uh, I mean, I mean, is there, I mean, is there a way, I mean, the minds uh, improve over Sattvic. But Rajguna doesn't go. Our memory is there. I mean, like today, if we are thinking about or reading a subject, uh, uh, we have that subject in us. I mean, uh, we also have some subjects. That means we are thinking There is Himsa in it. I mean, there is Himsa in Ahimsa. I mean, I mean there is no, it is not left. So, I mean, the purity is just a, I mean, it can again cover off very easily. Uh, so, I mean, is there the effective way? That, I mean, for me, is to look at more of the consciousness than the, I mean, being acting at the sattvic level is what I feel so. I mean, I may be incorrect in this, but I'm just thinking in a uh, broad way.
3: Mahesh, you're right.
0: I think you it, people didn't hear me at all because no, no, Alpana is responding.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, Mahesh, you're absolutely right. You should just read Mandukya Upanishad. It'll negate the world. It'll negate the duality. <laughs> so don't need to worry about any of these things actually. So, so I mean, that is that is another path, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I, I can tell you, when I read Mandukya Upanishad, I just didn't understand it for the first time. But then the second time around, I said, "Wow, this is an amazing brilliance of these uh, people who have written this." It and did so you powerful. go through
3: the karikas also? Yeah, I did. Yeah, the karikas are phenomenal. There's a whole chapter on Upashamam, which is the cessation of the universe, and then Advaita, which is non-duality, because. If you go back to our discussion, the the, the the shloka which Rajesh started reading, so so the core was likes and dislikes. Likes and dislikes will be there only because there is duality. If there is no duality, then what likes, what dislikes? So you cut it at the root itself. <laughs> Nothing will follow.
0: <laughs> okay, one more minute and uh, Lakshmi,
10: Hey Rajesh, nice discussion. I had a lot of insight from your discussion. The one thing I would like to understand is, of course we are saying anger comes from desires, right? Desire, right? Again, when you say desire, everyone living as a human being needs some minimum to live, like food, shelter, and stuff. And that's considered as desire. And and, and they are striving for that desire because that is the basic necessity. How can they curb their anger if they need to? Aspiring for these two minimum, they might have anger, right? So how do they tackle that?
0: How do they balance in that situation? That's a, that's a great question, Lakshmi. The way that I have understood this is, you know, um, it's, it's, it's always okay to do things which are essential, which are which one considers as, as need for us. Okay? Now the dilemma is when it comes to where it is not where it is beyond one's need, okay? And where one starts coloring it with our own likes and dislikes, okay? So then it becomes a little bit quote unquote selfish. I'm using the word selfish in the English context, okay? Um, uh, Saying that, okay, I want this, right? So take for example, okay, um, someone wanting to go from place A to place B, they require a mode of transportation. Okay, if the feet can't carry them uh, to that place, they require a mode of transportation, so mode of transportation becomes a necessity, and uh, desiring that is not a problem living in the u s if someone says no i I want to uh, keep walking go to work okay you need to have a car simple but when you let's say you take to the next level, color it I can only drive from point A to point B in my inner maserati Nothing else then that is a desire. That's a selfish, I would call it as a selfish desire Mm -hmm. where your likes and dislikes are coming in. Now, there's a distinction. Mm -hmm. You have a goal. The goal is go from point A to point B. You can do it in multiple ways. I've shared two different ways at this point in time. Okay. Now, depending on which way we choose, it determines how we're going to live our life. Okay. Now, if I determine that I definitely need a Maserati And now I suddenly decide that without Maserati going from point A to point B, my life is worthless. Then I'm suddenly angry. I'm upset because I had not had the opportunity to win the Maserati or get, get the Maserati. Now my outlook towards that to a simple thing going from point A to point B has changed. It's become colored because of my likes and dislikes, because of my desire.
6: Yeah, I always, uh, you know, think of these things in that need versus want context, you know, Uh, for everything, I think if you try to question, is this a need or a want, I think uh, that helps to clarify.
0: Absolutely. Well said. That's that's exactly the principle that I applied uh, in my own uh, mind.
10: As adults, we know, kind of we can, to some extent, understand need versus want. How do you um, tell your kids, right? So in this (laughs) insane world, sometimes you need certain qualifications to get there out in the world, right? How do you say, okay, it may come out as anger if you say, well, this is what I would like you to do. Is it the right way of telling them or is it, it, would that mean desire? Or would it be a need in that case?
0: Yeah, I think- think
10: think About the actual food and shelter, right? So would that be considered as need or desire?
6: Actually, uh, I would, you know, so in my case, I keep talking to my kids about need versus want as well, in terms of just the everyday things, right? I'm not talking just now about career aspirations or anything like that. But oh, you know, I need ice cream. I'm like need versus want. You know, <laughs> you can say you want ice cream, and you can even get it, but you have to be clear on whether it's a need or a want. So yeah, we've started a little early in trying to <laughs> distinguish between those those two things uh, with the kids.
0: And also, I think you know, especially in the context of kids, right? I don't think kids will ever learn if we tell them anything. We have to live live it. They will. They will learn. By being in reverse osmosis,
2: I think that's an excellent point, Rajesh.
6: And in, in our house now, you know, even if I say, Oh, I need this, they are, my kids tell me need versus want, mommy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they are very smart like that. <laughs> yeah,
0: so th- that's uh, you know, um, uh, Actually, the chapter two, we go through uh, Lakshmi once. Uh, you know, uh, you read the meanings of the verses there in chapter two. It's uh, it gets so uh, so easy to understand that okay, there are so many things that we end up doing it because it's so much colored with our likes and dislikes, which kind of you know, drive our desires and the way that we live our life. And there's an alternate way of living life which is much more happier. That's what it says. It's so powerful. I actually enjoyed it.
6: But, uh, but I think Lakshmi coming back to you know, what you were asking about uh, how do we motivate the kids to aspire for something more? I think we have to continue to do that, right? We have to sort of get them to understand uh, or, or aim for something more. Uh, and, and I think that we have to help them through their journey of self-discovery because uh, we can't make those decisions for them, they have to figure it out. But we can just help them yeah. trying to yeah. navigate through that.
0: And to Shamala's point, we got to be patient. Yes. Yeah. In that, in that the
10: conflict, I have is like uh, we helping them to um, allow them to make their decisions. Is it we desiring that right that that's
0: that's the conflict that I have. I don't well,
5: know.
10: Uh, uh, Lakshmi, that I read is a desire that for sure.
0: There yeah. is a desire for sure. And it's a rightful desire as a parent. Because as a parent, we have that responsibility because we have taken a role. That role is there. okay. It's been given to us for whatever reason. you know, Out of our own volition, we took that particular thing or we have been thrust to us, whatever. Right? It doesn't matter. But the, the moment the role has been taken, the desire has to be there.
10: Okay. Yeah, I I did read that, but I think I have to read them more than one. Yeah,
7: could yeah, I I on be going. wrong.
9: <laughs> In my mind, I understood anger comes when we when things doesn't happen up to our expectation. Correct. That correct. that is the main cause. Whether it is correct. your own self or what you expect from others, or yeah. things happening around.
2: That's
6: yeah, the yeah. unfulfilled desires, like yeah. said.
7: So. That is correct. That's correct. Oh, good point. Yeah. So, 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 uh, and the other part to this, obviously, is the expectation. So, to Lecturer's point, which is, you know, based on our duty, we have to do it, and it can there can be the rightful desire, but then the expectation of the results is where um, the the probably the conflict comes from.
8: That's it. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why in, 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 in chapter 2, it says, okay, karma yoga means you know, neutralize your li- likes and dislikes. Neutralize your likes and dislikes. It keeps on drilling it into our heads, right saying that you know it's, it's a very uh, basal way of living your life because you're not seeing the larger life. That's what it says. Anyway, I think we are well past, uh, 10 minutes past almost, but today we have an interesting um, you know, chant that we have to learn and chant today. So over to you, Alpana, before we, you know, wind down for the day.
3: Okay. Um, I did share the lyrics or whatever you call the wordings of the shloka. And um, I think just to give a brief listening, we probably uh, next time we'll start a little early where we can go word by word. But as a gist, uh, we are praying to get three things. So one, which I think Rajesh had mentioned earlier, enough life for us to be able to achieve what we desire as the highest goal. Uh, the second is uh, the physical fitness, uh, so that you know our body can be stable and be able to achieve what we want to do. And the third thing is the so, so the third thing is actually the mental uh, well-being for which we ask the Indra and the Vishwadeva and the uh, Tarsha is actually Garuda, the mythical bird who, who will protect us. So so this prayer is to ask for enough longevity, longevity um, the mental, physical, and emotional health. And uh, um, and the third one is more the protection so that we can we can get the get the desired result. Um, it is from Atharva Veda. so all the Upanishads that come from that. This is the mantra which is chanted before we start learning. So Taitriya, Mandukya, sorry, yeah, uh, which are which are the main Upanishads? I forgot, but yeah, Mandukya and Taitriya are there. <laughs> Um, so it goes. So how do I do, Rajesh? Do I say and then we repeat, or we'll just so, do it
0: together? So uh, let's do it this way. Today, I think because we're already running out of time. Yeah. Listen to you chanting it. But tomorrow, you know, next, next, next class, what we will do is you, know, you chant one line or one half line. We all of us we mute and we chant it twice. And then you again chant the next line. You know, I can I can flash it on the screen so you can see, all of us can see the screen. But today let's okay. probably just mute. We'll just listen to you chanting and then we'll close the session after that. All
3: right. Om, bhadram karne Rangai, Sushtovagum, Sustanubi, Geshema Deva Hitanyada, Yoher, Bastina Indro, Rithasrava, Bastina Pusha, Vishwaveda, Bastina Saksho, Arishna, Nemi, Bastina, Brihas, Patilda, Tul, Om Shanti. Shanti Shanti Tat Shri Krishna Arpanam
0: Thank you Arpana. thank you so much Thanks everyone Next week I will make sure that we flash it And then we will learn it together uh, This is a very powerful slogan. I really enjoy, enjoy You
2: can start from there
0: Enjoy your weekend And We'll meet next weekend.
4: Thank you.
1: Good weekend.